This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. I am really interested to talk with this gentleman because we've been talking about all of this, you know, the pilots falling asleep while in the air, both of them, B-O-F of them falling asleep. Now we have the worst pilot uh, shortage, airline pilot shortage in years, cause, of course, causing issues. Some of y'all are getting your flights canceled because they don't have enough staff. Uh, He is in the business of getting people prepared to become pilots and do other things. Let me welcome to the show. His name is Taytron or Tron Williams. He's the CEO and co-founder of Spitfire Elite Consulting. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much for having me. I didn't know you had such a vibe to you. Oh, Good day. What, what? You better ask somebody. I'm glad. <laughs> I, I'm going to take that as a compliment, though. It um, is. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I mean, absolutely. you know, we are, we are, um, many of us, I, I hate to fly with a passion, uh, primarily because I had a bad turbulent experience that I think was caused by pilot error. So ever since then now, I'm looking like, because it's the one thing you can't control. Like, pilot is drunk. Pilot's sleepy. Pilot's got, you know, bubble guts. I, I can't control that. And then I don't know if the turbulence is because he's not paying attention. So allevi- alleviate some of our fears. Some of us are not good flyers, but you are a pilot, right, Tron? You? Yes, yes, ma'am. I'm a okay. pilot. I've been flying since airplane since I was about 17 years old, off and on, and then professionally uh, in the military followed by uh, now a pilot and a major, uh, major carrier. So, yeah, so the world is too small, Karen. The world is too small for us to not get out and see it. Um, Six hours later, you can be somewhere where they speak a totally different language. And um, so I want to alleviate fears. First of all, turbulence uh, could be caused by potential pilot error if they're not avoiding storms appropriately, okay? But I would tell you that um, pilots usually I'd say 99% of the time, they don't want to be up there in that turbulence either. You know, they so, want to so be. So tell cool. me what you're, so you're sitting like uh, behind the wheel uh, in the cockpit, like we're behind the wheel of a car, right? You can see out the front window. Yes, ma'am. Yes, How ma'am. far ahead can you see turbulence? When do you know you're about to hit one of them things that will make it, the plane dip and then shake and rattle, which doesn't make any sense? I'm like, what are you hitting that it feels like you are running over potholes in the sky? The clouds right. can't be that bumpy. Well, yes, ma'am. It's it's disturbed air. It's disturbed air, and that's why you can see the visible moisture. Um, you know, there's different shear levels associated with the wind shifting, changing directions it will move an airplane, you know, that high in the air. If there's a visible storm, you know, we're supposed to stay about 20 miles, you know, around it, but sometimes that's actually kind of impossible to avoid it. So we're always just going to take the least path of danger. But for the most part, I want you to know and understand that flying is safe. I'd rather be in an airplane than in a car. I'd rather be in an airplane than on a boat. That is for sure, because not only do I have my navigation, I can see what's going on. I have an air traffic control center that's communicating. I have, uh, you know, I have, I can see other airplanes that are out there visibly as well as, as well as with radar. So flying is safe. Let's get out and see the world. All right. All right. So last week I told a story of uh, air traffic control. They were trying to reach this airplane. Pilots didn't respond for 10 minutes. So they got nervous, of course. 
apparently both pilots, the pilot and the co-pilot were asleep. And I'm like, what the hell? Uh, and you were like, well, there's autopilot. And I'm like, we were talking off mic. And I'm like, but autopilot, it can't land. And you were like, yes, it can. So walk me through how, bo- then why do we need pilots? If y'all, if we, if y'all could just go to sleep and just. No, no. So, so for takeoff and landing, a critical phase of flight, when you're taking off, that's, that's a dangerous time, potentially, where you may have to make a decision. You're going to need the skill of a pilot to do that. Um, after you rotate, usually at about a thousand feet, and I said it, a thousand feet, you can turn an autopilot on and, and, and monitor the system. Okay. Now, airborne, there shouldn't be two pilots falling asleep. Uh, you know, there's a pilot shortage. There are people that are, uh, working really, really hard. You know, those that are flying because we are pushing the limits of what the FAA allows you to fly. So I can easily see how that would happen where two pilots would be fatigued. I happen to fly for a carrier that flies at night most of the time. I do understand that you can be tired. But there are systems that actually alert you. If you haven't touched the airplane or moved a button or touched anything within a certain amount of time, it will, you know, give you a chime to to see if you're awake. You're going to have the people on the radio to see if you're awake. But I I could see how that could happen in today's time, but it is rare. Okay. All right. Craziest thing you ever did uh, or seen behind the wheel of a plane? Ooh. um, (laughs) Well, I mean, I I wouldn't say I try to keep things pretty, uh, pretty simple for me. If I take off and, and, and no event happens, that's a good flight. But I will say that, you know, we are flying the skies and I've flown around the world, east and west, all the way around the world, Mm -hmm. Dallas, Texas, all the way back to Dallas, Texas in seven, eight days. Uh, I've been over the Indian Ocean. If you think about how big the world is, how big the sky is. I've been over the Indian Ocean in the middle of the night, uh, flying an airplane, and we have uh, radio altimeters. A radio altimeter will basically give you a countdown as you're descending. So 1,000, 500, 50, 40, 30, 20, 10. Well, in the middle of the ocean, three o'clock in the morning, I thought I saw a plane out in the distance and sure enough it was. It was exactly 1,000 feet below us and the radio altimeter said 1,000 as if it thought that we were actually landing because that plane flew on the exact same path, exactly 1,000 feet below us. Now that happened all the time in the United States, but over the Indian Ocean in the middle of the night, just to think that we were flying the exact same path in opposite directions um, was oh, pretty rare that we were there in the same space and time. Have you ever, cause you said you feel safer in the plane. I feel like in the car, I got a chance if I hit something or something hits me. I feel like there's no chance in an airplane so while it may you're right you know statistically it's way more accidents way more fatalities on the road way more but i i feel like i me behind the wheel of my car i've spun out a few times and i've course corrected in a snowstorm and didn't hit anything was so happy that i didn't you know i've been in major snowstorms because i drive a lot but i feel like number one i don't have the wheel Number two, there's no coming back from that. You don't think <laughs> about right. those things, Tron? 
No, ma'am. No, ma'am. Um, you know, there's a lot that you can do. You know, I think that pilots in general, uh, we prepare. You know, it's not something that you just show up and do. You know, it's not something, you know, although you've done it for a long time, I feel like I could hop in an airplane and just fly it. But I start preparing to fly an airplane about a day before I actually do. And, uh, you know, I was in the military where there were, you know, other risks. But even now, just flying cargo from one place to the other, um, I consider those risks to be very minuscule. And um, I do everything that I can to mitigate those risks to just uh, make sure I come home every night. So, yes, I need you to come home to to. Uh, <laughs> all right. So Tron Williams is here. He is the co-founder, CEO of Spitfire Elite Consultant consulting we're going to get into that in a second he also is navy uh navy uh flyer which we mentioned 13 years active duty eight years as a reservist flying the boeing 737 boeing boeing boeing's in the news a lot uh because of their uh janky planes um (laughs) when you when you have to you know so tell us what we need to know because when i see it on my ticket i'm like "Mm, what other planes y'all got is there another plane you know there's like certain planes I will cancel a flight to to get on a plane that's not that tell me tell me how you handle that and how do you know if the plane that you're on is is tight well I, I um I'd have to do I'd have to say I, I like Boeing aircraft and I do understand your trepidation associated with it that Boeing 737 max is probably what you're speaking of uh, that particular plane I, I I I look at the industry and say what what Boeing I think, it, with the shortage, keeping pilots flying, I think that Boeing um, and the FAA made some mistakes in asking pilots to somewhat um, train themselves. Uh, almost just say, hey, this here's we've been flying set Boeing 737s for a very long time. We've made some adjustments. Hey, they're minor adjustments, figure it out. Right, here's the manual. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. And almost asking pilots to do it in their off time and just, you know, be responsible for I, I say that pilots are also lawyers, like we're responsible for everything, right? Okay, this just changed yesterday, and we sent you an update. So now you need to know it. So what I, you know, I think there were some flaws in that particular system. But I would say if you look at the number of, of people that have flown on the Boeing 737, and uh, the other fleet within the Boeing, I really trust that airplane. Now, the Airbus is a different airplane made by the French. That's foreign to me. And uh, I, that allows, that takes a lot away from the pilot. I, I like, like you say, hey, you've spun out a few times. I like my chances in a Boeing because I actually get to fly. Look at him. And let me tell y'all, Tron has the dopest, tightest edge up I've seen in a while. His edge up is chef's kiss. Tron Williams is here. Now, your business is training people to interview to become pilots. Why is that important that people know how to interview to become pilots? Well, I'll tell you what, um, people that fly airplanes, um, you know, by the time you're pursuing a major airline, right, getting the, now we're not, we're not talking about flying around as a hobby, but we're talking about flying Miss Karen Hunter around. And she's a little bit nervous and doesn't like turbulence, right? So we got to close the deal. This is at a major airline where you're either a corporate pilot or just flying where you're going to be responsible for large amounts of people or cargo. That particular interview is very extensive. 
Um, it happens to be a very extensive interview where they're going to look at backgrounds, psychology, um, you know, and you're asking to take a lifetime worth of skills and over two hours present that to a gatekeeper and have him or, you know, he or she say, yes, this person's a good fit for us. Um, and oftentimes, just like with any interview, I'm sure if you hire staff, culture fit actually happens to be a big deal. We teach culture fit, our, our style we teach, we teach people to ace an interview, authenticity, culture fit, and empathy. So does you'd that ask- mean, Does that mean when you say culture fit, I, it, mm -hmm. it is a trigger for me because we're in a space right now well, what does it mean to fit into culture? You know, there was yeah. a time where we understood if you spoke in a certain kind of way and you wore a certain kind of suit and you, you know, you had your dulcet tones and you kept it really, you know, mild and mellow and let them white people know I'm not a scary Negro. And, and yes, right. I'm going to be able to handle all the things you couldn't come in with your, is that still relevant? Can you, can you be your authentic self as a pilot these days? Hey, that is uh, a great question. <laughs> it's, it's tough. It's tough. Um, you know, I'll say for myself, um, <laughs> I'm telling who I am. <laughs> hey, there's, there's a little bit of, you know, I, I can't go into an interview and be Trump. I want a bit of name right. Rashad, right? I can't, I, won't, I can't show up anywhere Rashad sometimes. Right. But um, I will say, no, culture fit for, for in, the, in this aspect is knowing and understanding what a company's culture is. I don't know if you've ever flown on Southwest. Southwest, you don't have an assigned seat. Um, they are a little bit more more jipper. They're going to be silly on the on the public announcement, that sort of thing. Delta is a lot more buttoned up. They're going to want to ha wear a hat and a double-breasted suit. So when I speak of culture, what I mean is, hey, be your authentic self, but you've got to be able to fit into that company's culture. And not necessarily, we have a skill set. We fly airplanes. So ultimately, that's what they're hiring us for. However, comma, they want to know that we can play the role we can fit the part when we have to and then hey we're going to close that door at some point and when I talk about culture there I'm also talking about can you be respectful of the person to your right can you be respectful of the person to your left can you be respectful to the person that you know the f trump or or the you know let's go brandon and all that well all of all of that what if the pilot's you, doing that do you know what where, I'm saying that I'm saying like that oh, a pilot yeah. actually did that absolutely <sighs> Like, Absolutely. And that's what we teach. We teach that you are, listen, when you show up, you are representing the company's brand and they didn't, they are not interested in your political affiliation. And you have to be uh, respectful of everyone that is flying on that airline. And so we happen to work with a lot of military guys and the military has a culture. And so what we try to do is indoctrinate them into, Hey, this is a fortune 50 company. Hey, let's leave some of that war fighter stuff behind you know, some of the things that may have been acceptable, you know, in the military are absolutely unacceptable at a Fortune 50 company. So we just try to teach that. And then the last thing we teach, Karen, is empathy. We, we you know, we take a person who hasn't been, and I'm a military guy, and it's either right or wrong or black or white. And we, um, we try to see the other side of someone's opinion. All right. Where, where are you from? Tell me about your people. And how, at 17, did you get interested in flying? Well, I'm blessed. Uh, my great uncle was a Tuskegee Airman. So, and my great aunt was the president of Tuskegee Airmen Incorporated for about 30 years. So my aunt Claire White and my uncle Hugh White, um, they introduced me to aviation. I grew up in a home where 
you know, we were proud to be who we were. And the only way to do that proudly was to lift others up. And so um, I got an opportunity to just be around, around them, you know, and the Tuskegee Airmen, it, you know, sometimes you think they're pilots. We're talking about everyone from the people that did support, from the females and, and, and the people that flew all, you know, top to bottom. So I had the opportunity to be around airplanes. My dad was in the military. I was a military brat. I lived in England, Japan, Los Angeles, Florida. And so I just, I, I learned to uh, understand and appreciate different cultures. And I learned and understood that we don't do everything right here. And so uh, mm. I've been just trying to share, uh, you know, my personal experience and, and get people to see life through a different lens. I like that. We're, we're talking flying. He's a pilot. He flies, he's military. And currently right now in the United States, 89.4% of pilots are white. 5.1% are Hispanic, 2% are Asian, and 1.2% are black. Now, well, what do we do about this? <laughs> yes, well, what, <laughs> first of all, we just need to expose us to aviation. Um, there are organizations like uh, OBAP and other organizations that are out there that expose people to aviation at a young age. That's that's just why I'm hit, sitting here today. I was blessed enough to be exposed to it. The other thing we need to educate, uh, and truthfully, you know, it's an athletic skill. So, you know, surprise, you know, <laughs> we're good at, at its hands and feet. Can I react to, when I go to land, you know, how quickly can I react to the changes in the atmosphere with my hands and with my feet? That is an athletic skill. So, Truthfully, we're really good at it. Uh, you know, if I was going to be Tron, I'd say we're better than most at it. And so um, it's an athletic skill. We just have to get exposed to it earlier. We have to educate, you know, we have to stay educated and get the opportunity to see it and, and, and that we, we can change the dynamic. I never thought of piloting as an athletic, uh, as an athletic uh, event or, or like it, that. You know, but it's hand-eye coordination. Yes. And then it's making quick adjustments, right? Quick, small adjustments. Look and you do, you. you're going to do that with your hands and your feet. So, yes. Okay, Tron Williams. So did you play? Because you look like you might have played football or something. Yes, ma'am. Yes, yeah. ma'am. I played yeah. play ball. I, was, I, play, I played football. I, uh, I enjoyed the sport. It's not a lifetime sport, but I, I did play and I. I enjoyed it. I coached. I have a son that's uh, very talented and he'll go on to play. But yes, ma'am. Yeah, I asked because when you likened it to athletics, I don't know if if you didn't play, if you would have that same reference, but that you do have that as a reference makes it, it's like, makes all the sense in the world. So brothers and sisters, those of you who have great hand-eye coordination and those of you who are really good at sports, you'll be really great at piloting. And the last time we were on, and shout out um, to the pilots that we had on before, um, and Al Dozier, who's one of our favorite uh, listeners who also is participating. This is what looking bringing a brick looks like. He's like, I know, and he's also, of course, former military. You know, to, to have this now, you so so you need that skill. What about this, the mental? What yes, do you that- need to have there? Yes, the aptitude, um, you know, but honestly, I mean, they're making these these airplanes 
systems that you have to manage. Okay, so I, I, I say I don't want to dumb it down and minimize it, but the truth of the matter is, is there's a lot of, you know, you go and you see a flight deck and it's, you know, there's buttons everywhere. You don't see them. I oftentimes you'll have a checklist that tells you what to do with the switch, move it left or right or up or down anyway when something happens. Um, I'd say the biggest skill set is just preparation. Like we talk about, like being able to look at the weather the day before, being where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there. You know, if you can do that, you can show up on time, you can show up prepared. Um, it's, it's not rocket science. It's not at all. Uh, this pilot shortage, we're going to see that, um, that, you know, every, a lot of people can fly an airplane. When we talk about from an interview prep, it used to be this concept where, oh, I've just got to, I'm, I'm this and I was that in the military. Well, there you go. everybody can fly airplanes. I'm not going to say not everybody, but a so lot you, of people. Can fly airplanes. Do you need a college degree? Do you need like. You no longer need a college degree at, at some major airlines. I happen to fly for a company that just, just it's, it's I fly for FedEx and it's uh, they just got rid of the requirement. Uh, so you no longer need a college degree to fly airplanes. And I, I truly don't believe that you, you actually do to do the job well. Okay. Um, so if, as long as you are, if, if, as long as you have the, now there's certain gate that you have to meet as far as hours and time, mm -hmm. but a college degree, I do not believe is any longer required to be a and, good buyer. And, and Tron, uh, Tron Williams is here. The salary, sir, the salary, I, you know, last pilots we had on here, they were talking about all of the money that they make. Uh, Tron Williams, of course, CEO, co-founder of Spitfire Elite Consulting. And you can follow them at Spitfire Elite on the Twitters. And I just posted a video from uh, the Jetit that we were talking about. So I, so y'all can follow Jetit as well. Were we talking about this on mic or off mic? I don't remember, but I just gave them some love. So because uh, <laughs> it's off mic. All right. Well, now it's on mic. Y'all know now how to fly private, but, um, Tron, tell us about the salary. Uh, the salary is, you know, we're making millionaires. I, I'd like to tell people with confidence at Spitfire Elite, we're making more black millionaires than baseball, period. We are, you fly an airplane for five years in today's industry at a major, you're going to hit a million dollars. You know, as you get more seniority, you can hit a million dollars every two years. It's a lot of money. <laughs> it's a lot of money. And that's why um, it's too important to miss. It's too important to miss. When we have a, a person of color, we established our company for women, people of color, and English as a second language. And when they work that hard and get the credentials and show up, we cannot have them miss on game day. So we, we, we pour some juice on it. So you get people prepared, not just for the interview process, but for the whole, like you're going to get a job when you finish with Spitfire Elite. You're going to... You're going to get a job. Somewhere. Now, is this national or are you, you know, or just in Texas? Like, people are listening from all over the country and parts of Canada. How do they connect with you if somebody's listening right now, say they have a, a young person that just graduated from college or a young person in their lives that are, you know, that's in college uh, not really sure what they want to do with their lives. Maybe there's an older person who's, you know, in their 40s or 50s and looking to get back into another career. What do they need to do and what do they need to know? So yeah, so we, we usually uh, get people a little bit closer to the majors they've hit. 
their their minimum requirements for the jet blues fedex delta american southwest um, but we are also involved in organizations like o obap organization of black aerospace professionals and that is an organization where a young kid they have things called the ace academy that i participated in as a kid where a young kid can go and get exposure to aviation. Well, we're going to be at those conferences as well. And so, you know, we believe that this whole thing, you know, each, you know, all, you know, rising tide lifts all boats, right? So we have different service organizations that are going to help. We kind of catch people toward the end. Uh, Karen, I will mention what happened originally was there was one person that was in this space that said some ugly things about, about people of color. And that spurred me to start this company uh, because I was actually encouraging people as part of that process to go to him. Well, he said some ugly things. We in turn said, okay, no longer, we're not gonna do that. We're gonna do something about it. Uh, and then January, sorry, in um, December of 2020, we started with about eight minority candidates. And uh, as of today, we get about 120 clients. Look at that now. So, uh, how long does it take to train somebody to get ready to fly a plane? Uh, so I'd say your overall training, they have, uh, you know, they have some programs that can get you there in about two years, two and a half years. You're oftentimes you're going to work your way up right to the regionals, you know, your envoys and your, you know, Sky West and that sort of thing. And then as you transition to the major airlines, um, you know, after you get your time, your time in the right mm -hmm, seat, mm -hmm. time in the left seat. Uh, so I'd say overall, you know, if you're just focusing on flying, um, you can probably get to a major in about five to seven years now. That's All right. right. And that, listen, to become a multimillionaire or millionaire in a couple of years is not, that's not a bad, uh, we, some of us have student loan debt. We put five to seven years in uh, with nothing to show for it, this at least will provide you with a, a serviceable skill. Now, that bridging of the gap <laughs> that I talked about, you know, how what what process, what do you do to, to get people to unhinge or take away their, their indoctrination? Well, I think part of the blessing is I happen to be where they want to be. <laughs> I've done what they're trying to do oftentimes. And so, as a CEO and founder, co-founder of a company uh, with a brown face, mm -hmm. I can help and get them to understand that if they see life through a straw, they have no chance of getting where we're going. Um, you know, as you work and you learn and understand how to get people in places, you also develop relationships. And um, you know, as part of the reason why we exist, that's part of our story. So I will often tell people, hey, like, you know, this guy said this on Facebook or whatever. And if you if you communicate some of the things that are in your mind when that door closes, it doesn't work. I also communicate that, hey, I have a daughter. I got a daughter who's extremely talented. And today I don't want her to fly an airplane, but I, I am not. Um, I am hopeful that if we can continue to have a positive impact on the space and turn this into less of a boys club, mm. a, a good old boys club, right, right. Um, that, that that can change. And so that, you know, this is just kind of a little way of doing that. And when we have uh, access to have impact, we, we try to drive those points home. Yeah. What, what percentage of pilots are women? Um, percentage of pilots are women. I, I have that stat. 
Yeah, I think it's something about seven, but I'd say women are of color. You're more than likely to get struck by lightning. It's oh point my goodness. Okay, we got to do something about that. I know somebody listening is going to do this. Uh, we got a couple of questions on Twitter. Justice uh, William Mohammed wants to know how do you feel trying about the GE engines? He says he works for General Electric Aviation. He's assembled engines for large aircraft and helicopters for thirty years. What do you feel? How do you feel about the GE? Uh, I flew an airplane that had GEs. It was safe, reliable. I have a few thousand hours of personal experience on them, and, and okay. I had no issues with that. That engine. All right. Uh, Clay Williams wants to uh, highlight United has an aviate program. So there's yeah. uh, so what is, what is that? AVA program is a program that you can kind of, we call it kind of zero to hero. You know, you can start off, uh, I think they require you to at least get your private pilot's license. So we have done interview prep for 18 year olds who have actually done their last interview, which is really cool. So we have, you take a young, young, and actually we did it with, uh, through the organization Sisters of the Skies, SOS, as an organization that focuses on um, uh, women of color. Uh, you know, getting into aviation. And so we did some interview prep with that particular organization. They start off at 18, they'll go through Aviate. It's out, I think it's out in Phoenix area. Uh, and they'll learn how to fly. They'll get all of their ratings and then they'll get sent over to a regional airline. Uh, and then they, you know, fill the squares. Really, it's just about just, as long as they keep putting one foot in front of the other, they'll eventually end up at United. And um, and they won't even have to interview. It's called like it's like a flow through program. As um, black people who fly, <laughs> those of us who who are in the, and I w I wanted to ask you like the best airline, but I don't want to do that to you. I don't want to do that to you. What should we be looking out for? How do we make that experience better for ourselves? How do we make it easier for the pilots? And like, I'd like to come in. I pray. I touch the plane. And I pray before I get on. I like to look in to see, you know, when the people are greeting you and say, thank you. And I thank the pilots after they land, you know, when it's a safe landing, I thank them for their service. Does that matter? I, I say that does matter. I say that that does matter. I mean, I'm, I'm never going to pass up on prayer. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it for me. I'll take it for everybody else. I'll take it for the airplane, the engine, the wings on it. Um, but I think for uh, I think for the experience, um, I think I, I, I just, I'm just a firm believer in you know being treated how you deserve to be treated. <laughs> and so I think that you know if you you, you pay for a first class ticket. You deserve a first-class service. You pay for a coach ticket. You deserve to be treated with respect, uh, you know, like anyone else on the airplane. And so I think as we continue as Black people to fly, to enjoy this beautiful world that God's made, that's super small if you get on an airplane, uh, to enjoy the time with our families if we just hop on that airplane and not take the train or the bus to get there and enjoy more time with them when we get there. Mm. I think the more we fly and the more we, we experience that, the, we'll, we'll realize there's a lot of science behind it. And it's, it's very safe travel. Okay. Finally, uh, Nicole had called, but she's in her thirties and she wanted to know is age a factor uh, for being a pilot is because I, yeah. As of now, you can fly to your 65, but there's a pilot shortage. My guess is five years from now, there'll be pilots flying to their 68, 69, 70. Um, the uh, age is not a factor. I've, I know and have talked to multiple um, people that have, have done career changes 
and and hopped over and and dove into aviation. I'll tell you, Karen, I have I have a very blessed lifestyle, and to hop, you know, my office view is is beautiful. Yeah, so. I'm looking at you. Look, you look real chill. And have, let me tell you, when I tell you his edge up, you know, brother spent some money on the edge up is tight. And he looks very comfortable. Uh, last question before I let you go. Um, transitioning from airplane from to flying planes from being an Army helicopter pilot. Is that a – because one of our callers, uh, Army helicopter pilot, wants to get into airplanes, 30, 737s. What's that transition? Yes, yes. Uh, there's organizations called uh, RTAG. It's, I couldn't tell you the, R, the acronym, but it's essentially a rotary to transition program into aviation uh we managed that tell this brother to give me a shout uh at spitfire i think it was a woman okay oh even better even better come on Uh, ladies yeah have have them reach out um we you know part of this thing as well is not only interview prep it's also some mentoring and and we can point people in the right direction with relationships all right tell us how not just to go on your twitter page how do we how do we contact you not just spitfire elite is there a website? Is there a phone number? Yes, yeah, so it's SpitfireElite.com. And, and Karen, uh, something that we do, and the reason why we are so successful with women, people of color, and English as a second language is uh, I have a business model that allows me to give my people within that demographic as much time as they need, okay? Um, so if I have to give some, I gave a female person of color 13 mocks. And a mock interview is a one-on-one session where you're preparing her for her interview she needed all 13 of them but now she's flying at a major airline and that's a success for us so uh if you can reach out to spitfireelite.com we have a donate button and what we do with 100 of those tools is to have um take those resources and be able to dive into our underrepresented demographic so that we can see success and see and change some of the faces in the spaces and what we're trying to do here well, I'm gonna need you to add a couple more of faces that look like you on that front page. Okay. I'm just sister's good. The, I, I gotta I, scroll I, through and scroll I, through. No, I see what you're trying to do though. I'm not yes, to- totally yes, mad, do. but you gotta, you know, we need we need to come. Then then there's Becky. Then there's you know, come on, tribe. We gotta we gotta go to the about us to see you. Yeah. This, yes, we're there. We're there. You got to understand how, how many, what's the percentage of people there? I know, I know. We I can't ostracize. Ah, I can't not, ostracize. Okay. All right, Tron. I you see. understand. Tron, I, Tron, Tron, Tron got a plan. Tron got a plan. All right, I'm I with do. you. Thank you for being here. Come back. We got to talk off mic. Get, get us in the air. Appreciate you a lot. Thank you so much. Al Dozier, appreciate you as well. 